Hey, this is Sean Malone of the Sales Ascenders. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey Oburn. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I'm really excited to get into today's episode and really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or maybe you just want more and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. All right, let's do this. Today I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, Sean Malone. Sean is a serial entrepreneur. He has owned five different businesses. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that today because we have that in common. And I'm sure he means by serial entrepreneur that he does not eat cereal. His strengths come from nearly two decades of studying communication, business, and professional sales, as well as tireless hard work. After years of testing, tweaking, and successfully growing, a few businesses on his own. His biggest business success was taking his electronics company from 250,000 to just over 8 million in revenue. Sean has helped guide four additional organizations into the eight figures. Now you see why he's on the show. All the battlefield tested methods that he uses are part of the core of the sales ascenders selling systems and their proprietary ascension selling method. With his unique get it done mentality and a massively supportive team, he stays relentlessly focused on solving the revenue problem for business owners so they can experience the growth and success they deserve. Always revenue, always relevant. Don, thanks for joining us today. Stacey, I am such a big fan of you and what you do and the movement you've created. And I'm just so grateful to be here. Um, yeah, you're amazing. So, yeah. and I love how easy you made it for everyone to just come connect with you because that's truly the art of, you're a true pro. So thank you for having me today. Uh, Sean, feelings very mutual. I am so, so excited to, to talk with you today. And for our, for our listeners to hear about you, you are, you're the real deal. You know, a lot of people out there say it, you show up and you do it, right? 
So let's get into it. Electronics industry. That's something about you I didn't know. What kind oh. of electronics were you in? Because I was in the electronics industry too. That's why I'm asking. Oh, man. Yeah. So um, after I started my selling career and I sucked at it when I first started, like most people do, right? And anything they start, they're not real good at it. Um, it took me kind of, kind of a while to get to a place where I started making some cash with my sales abilities um, through learning, right? I had coaches, went to seminars, hired, read the books, like all that stuff that we need to do. We can go back into that part of the story because I think that's really relevant and valuable mm -hmm. for a lot of people to hear. But to directly answer your question, yeah, um, early 2000s, I cashed in all of my stuff that I had, you know, like I had made enough money to buy houses and boats and toys and cars and things. And I sold all those things and I, I took all the cash I had and I invested in an electronics manufacturing company. Um, I started my selling career in commodities. So I was selling like mm -hmm. aluminum, sheet metal, um, plastic, window and door hardware, electronics. Um, and so I would go to like these medical providers who would be in the operating room, for example, and they would have like, you know, when you go clear and you hit the person with the little thing, right? Um, so yeah. so uh, all think about that. It, they call them cow carts. It's called the yeah. cardiac uh, thing on wheels, cardiac cart on mm -hmm. wheels or something. And um, so they have electronics, right? Because you got the wires that come through and then the little like yeah. the console, the controller. So all the electronic circuit boards, the wire assemblies, the cable harnesses, the box, the metal around it, that's the stuff that I used to sell when I first started in my career. And I was really drawn to that because I saw like, the, the ability in the semiconductor market to like, I, I saw people do crazy things in that place and the impact they were able to have in people's lives. And I was just drawn to being able to do that and, and get people empowered to be able to do that. And so uh, well, I had the opportunity through a girl that I met in my college, um, her father actually owned the company that I invested into. I bought 47% of it. And that's what moved me out to Las Vegas. And um, that's, yeah, that was the start of it. So we made uh, business to government specifically. So clients mm -hmm. like Lockheed Martin, Martin Marietta, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like Boeing, TRW Lucas, mm -hmm. Raytheon. Those were a lot of my clients that I had when I first got into that business. And that's where I really cut my teeth into the really high ticket stuff, like million dollar contracts, multi-year levels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you and I have more in common than we ever realized. So I was... Uh... I, I played both ends of the spectrum. I started out as a materials manager, purchasing manager, and production control supervisor for uh, a contract manufacturer in the electronics industry. And uh, we, uh, our large clients were, um, well, Hughes Avacom, IVAC, IMED, and uh, and uh, IGT and Bally. You know, we did we did all of that. We did all the slot machines for for Vegas and Reno. And so then um, all the sales guys that would come call on me would, uh, would, would show up in their BMWs and their Mercedes and their Range Rovers, you know, and there's my uh, Toyota or my Lexus out in the parking lot. And I'd be like, oh, I think I'm on the wrong side of this equation. So I used to go out to lunch with them and, and you know, just kind of start picking their brain and poking at them. And I realized I was on the wrong side. I because they were always telling me what I wanted to hear, not what I needed to hear. Mm. And I, I literally left the company. I left a very comfortable six-figure income in my early mid twenties, and picked up the phone, walked into one of the distributors that I used to buy from, and said, uh, "I want to be your salesperson." They looked at me and they said, "You don't sell." And I go. Yes, I do. How do you think I get such great pricing from you? And 
they looked at me and they were like, well, here's your account base. And they gave me what was known in the industry as a, an electronic source book, which yep. is basically the industry's phone book, right? Yep. And they yep. said, there's your account base, good luck. And it performed zero dollars. And uh, within a year I was, uh, I, I, my account base was over a million dollars. And they're like, how are you doing this? And I said, it's easy. I'm telling the buyers what they need to hear, not what you want them to hear. And word of mouth just spread. And next thing you know, Qualcomm's my, my client, Taylor Packard's my client, Toshiba's my client. I had all the big clients. And, mm -hmm. um, and I just kept climbing the corporate ladder. So, so you climbed the sales ladder and the corporate ladder really quick and then jumped off the cliff and became an entrepreneur. I, I want to go back to all this development you did because, because as you had stated, it is very relevant in your journey. So let's go back there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, so, so when I first started my selling careers 20 years ago, I came out of college and um, I only had one question on my mind. My question was, how do I make a boatload of money? That's what I want to do. Right. And so, <laughs> I mean, like a lot of people coming out of college is like, yeah, that's what we want. Cause that's what the traditional society tells us that we need. Yeah. And so I called the only person I knew at the time that had been pretty successful was my dad. Uh, he built a couple of businesses. He had a master's in business. He was a metallurgist by trade. Um, he had designed um, some cookware for himself. And he had a little cookware import export business where he would source product from China and India and Africa and bring it into a warehouse that he had. And he would have his little traditional markups. And then he would sell, um, uh, you know, direct to consumer. And so um, he was doing about 3 million bucks a year in revenue. And so I call him after college and I say, hey, dad, how do I make a boatload of money? That's what I want to do. And he said, well, you got three choices. Are you a CEO? And I go, I don't even know what those letters mean. What is that? Right? Like that was <laughs> the time I was like, oh, what is this? No, I'm not that dad. I don't even know what that is. He goes, okay, great. Um, are you an entertainer? And I said, well, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't know how to sing and I'm not really good at dancing. So probably not an entertainer. He's like, okay, cool. Well, you better go learn sales. And I was like, huh, great. Perfect gives me the direction. It's really simple and straightforward. And I took a job as a manufacturer's rep and I sucked at sales, like I said. And here's what I mean to give context to how badly I was actually at sales when I first started. So each day, like you had that, that, that consumer electronics uh, directory, I had a manufacturer's directory, very similar, mm -hmm. big book with thousands of names and numbers in it. And so my task, similar to yours was, hey, here's your book, go get it. And mm -hmm. so I started banging cold calls day in, day out. And so I was making like 80 calls a day. I said, that's my minimum, 80 calls a day. I know with that much of activity, like even if I'm really bad is what I thought. I was like, even if I'm really bad at this, like that amount of activity will push me through and get some deals. And <laughs> for six weeks, every day, 80 calls, 2,400 attempts, I booked zero appointments. Wow. The frustration that you can imagine, the the, the anger, the, the emotional turmoil, the just wound up as a rubber band, like my attitude changed. It was a bad, bad thing for me. And my boss comes to me one Friday afternoon and he says, Sean, like, you better figure this out or I'm going to have to fire you. And I'm freaking out now. So I'm like, ah, I run home, call my dad, like, dad, what do I do? I, this guy is going to fire me. And he says, go to the library and read a book. And I was like, oh my gosh, like great idea, pretty profound, but like it kind of frustrated me. Of course, it would frustrate most people. So I go to the library and I pick up a Tom Hopkins, How to Master the Art of Selling Stuff book. Mm -hmm. And I start strumming through it and I got to this place, an appointment setting that I'd never read about before. 
because that's what I was doing. And it said, um, here's the strategy. Use this little one sentence. It should book appointments. And I was like, wow, I've never heard this before. If I rented the book, took it home, and I memorized that little like sentence over and over and over, like a thousand times, said to myself, went back on Monday, pick up the phone, get to the place where I'm supposed to deliver this little line. And the hair stands on my neck and the sweat beads started coming down and I'm freaking out like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to say this. And I totally butchered. I messed it up. It wasn't even close. Like it was terrible. And but the guy on the other end, the, the prospect I was talking to is super cool. And he said, I know what you're trying to do. Come on over Tuesday at nine o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh, I did it. I made an appointment. I was so excited, right? There's so much energy and all that frustration and anger just flushed out of my body. And I was at that place where I was like, I don't know what this is, but the feeling I just have right now, I want to duplicate it today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, like forever for the rest of my time. So that became the pivotal like point in my life where I re recognized that there was the science behind selling. And then once you understand the science or the infrastructure of what needs to happen, like you said, what you need, not what you want, then you layer your art on top of it. Because everybody's got a different personality. Everyone can sell in a different way. And it's just once you have the fundamental structure, now your magic starts to come out on top of it, right? And so from that point forward, I said, I'm committed to the vocation of communications through the channel of selling, through I want to learn how to get people to move in a direction that's going to help them impact their world. And so totally committed to it. And that's where I started saying, okay, I got to go learn because I don't know. And so I first went to a seminar, then I hired a coach, then I read like 20 books. I learned this appointments thing. And after I had a little bit of a structure of how I consistently started to get appointments, I'm talking about like, I would make 80 calls, I'd probably book 10 to 15 appointments. So I was able to book out like almost a, you know, a week and a half, two weeks of, of time in, in my one day of prospecting. And so it allowed me to free up my time because I learned a system and I had a coach teaching me a system, which is so valuable. Um, and then I get in these conversations and guess what? I sucked at the sales conversation too. I was like, man, you gotta go do And I'm sure you've experienced this, right? Yeah. 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 And so I'm in these sales conversations and I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Like, how do I even have this conversation to get people to like talk about this? And so then I, I realized that there's these things called selling systems. And I was like, oh my God, there's these systems now. A lot of them are designed for business to business, business to government. So I was like, let's yeah. go buy all of them. I bought like 40 different systems and I looked at all the pieces and I realized like, here's the trends. Here's the ones that kind of come out of all these things. And boom, out came this seven step ascension method that I started using, you know, 15 years ago. And ever since then, it's allowed me to just really propel it. So I have a system for prospecting to get into the appointment. And I had a system for understanding how to move a prospect from point A to point B and getting them involved with whatever I was doing. But the, the, the key was, is I was able to identify where the prospect was in my selling system. So if anybody came into my team or on my, on my, my program, they could see, oh, this prospect is in this step. This is the one problem they have. We can solve it. They do have the budget. We understand how they buy. Now we can close the deal. And somewhere in there, there was always, that's where they're at. And then if we knew that's where they're at, then we just knew how to kind of advance. And so that's where I started to learn like actually how to make it work. You know what I really like about what you just said was you you went out and you and you invested in yourself, you invested in your success, you invested in your growth, and you got a diversity of perspectives so that you could find what was what was congruent and authentic to you. And then you took a little bit of this, a little bit of that, 
as well as direction from a coach. And I love how coachable you allow yourself to be because that in itself is a choice. There are people out there that claim they're coachable and then don't follow through. So you're taking a little bit of this system, a little bit of this system, you're applying it to self, you're, you're working with a coach and something that you said when you first started laying all that out was there's so many different personalities out there. Mm -hmm. It is so important, no matter what you're studying, to remember every situation has a different perspective, the perspective of the trainer, the perspective of your perspective client, which changes every time your perspective client changes, your perspective, which can possibly change with the state and the environment you're in, and then the skill sets and the mindsets that you're bringing to it. So it's so important for you to stay true to you, no matter what you're doing in sales, make sure that it's always about them and remembering you're a common denominator in the results every time. I love so, that. I love that you say that. And, and the one thing I'll throw on top of that is I call it sales relativity, mm. which is we got to remember where we come from in that part of the conversation, which is what you just said, but then understand that everybody else buys differently than you. Right. See, because most people, when they get started in selling, they say, well, I buy this way. So other people will too. And that's the first thing they think about. And then they go in and they fail, right? Because nobody buys the same way. And so one of those really important elements in any sales conversation that, that I always have with every single person I talk to is, well, like, how do you guys make decisions? What is the buying process you go through? You might've bought something in this price range before. Can you walk me through your steps? Yeah. And then yeah. I close my mouth. And they start talking about, oh, well, what was this product? This is what we did. These are the people that were involved. This is where and how and when we made the decision. Guess what they're telling me? Here's the roadmap of how I can sell them anything I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every person has a decision-making strategy. And when you, as the salesperson, understand how to extract that decision-making strategy, then you can understand how to speak and present into their decision-making strategy. See, everybody thinks sales is a numbers game and sales is so far from a numbers game. Sales is a science. The only numbers game that exists in sales is how much more money you get to keep from the IRS. That's really the only numbers game that exists when you learn the science. So I, I wanna go back through uh, your, your journey developing yourself and working with coaches because one of our previous conversations, and this was something that, that really allowed me to respect you so quickly, was you had shared with me that you had built this extremely successful business and uh, memory serves me properly. It was a very high, comfortable seven figure business. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were working with a coach and the coach told you, you gotta fire your business. And you did. <laughs> yeah, you talk about being coachable. I think, um, I think a little bit of that came from my upbringing because I played sports, right? And so um, when I first started on a sports team, I was I didn't know anything. You're at kind of the bottom of the totem pole, and then you start watching and learning and then doing, right? It's it's that theory of watch, do, you know, monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. 
And then eventually you start getting a little bit better. You do the drills to get and your coach says, Hey, do this and get better at this. And then you get better. And then people start recognizing, Whoa, you're pretty good at that. Right. And then all of a sudden you work your way up to kind of the, the, the captain of the team or whatever. And so that mentality was driven into me at a young age. And so I took that whole mentality into my sales career. And I mean, cause most people, if they went six weeks without making a single appointment, they're going to quit. Right. I'd given myself eight weeks. I still had a two week buffer. I was like, if I can't make an appointment or get a sale within the first eight weeks, like I'm going to throw in the white towel, but I saw progress. And so I continued the path. And then I realized, I thought back to my days of being an athlete. I was like, Oh, I just need somebody that's already clicked the buttons and done the thing. So I can ask them how to do it because they already have the answers that I'm looking for. And so when we got to what you're talking about was we had built um, a pretty tremendous uh, uh, software business. And uh, when we launched, it took us about 10 months to do our first million dollars in revenue. And then through the ensuing next like year, uh, we actually ended up selling about $12 million worth of the systems that we were selling. But I was serving the wrong person. And my coach could see that. My coach was watching because he, I would meet with him twice a year and, and I would say to him, I'd be like, Hey, this is what's going on. And then he would see like the bags under my eyes and you'd be like, man, you're burning it. Right? Like you, what are you doing? Right. And he's the guy who said the hard thing that you never wanted to hear. It's what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. And so he came to me and he said, Sean, I've been in this place for five years before, like before he was where he's at now, um, previously, he'd gone through a journey that took five years. And I was about two years into my journey of the same, just turmoil and just burnout and working 20 plus hours a day. And because um, I loved what I was doing, but I didn't really love what I was doing because I was serving the wrong person. And so he saw that he saw right through me. And he said to me, he said, you know, I'm going to be the hard coach says the tough thing that you don't want to hear you're miserable because your, your lifestyle is not where it needs to be right now. You might be making all this money, but you're running this little software company and you're this little micro influencer and um, you're working 20 hours a day, but let's look at your diet, open your calendar. How much, what he said to me was so profound. He said, and I'll challenge anyone listening to this right now to do this. What's the most important thing in your life? And you're going to give an answer, whatever the answer is for me, it's my wife. Mm -hmm. And so I told my coach, Hey, it's my wife. And he says to me, okay, Prove it. Open your calendar. And I was like, oh, and I opened my calendar and there wasn't one spot where I had dedicated to my wife. Wow. And that moment was so eye opening for me because I said to myself, damn, like I better put at that day at non-negotiable date night, Saturday night, every single time. Tuesday nights, we do taco Tuesdays every single Tuesday. And then I started building in the most important thing in my world to me was my wife. So I put it on my calendar and I learned that. And I was like, oh, that's really, really profound. But same thing. Um, you know, my coach says to me, you need to kill your baby. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, how do you kill a company doing multiple sevens? Yeah. And uh, I didn't know what to do. Um, and so we just started like talking to people that had exited software companies. And we started learning and looking for other people like a coach or a sister guide us down that path. It took us a year. Uh, we ended up selling the, the, the software company to a competitor. And then we were kind of stuck. And so I had another coach who was like my business systems infrastructure coach. And we went to him and we're like, well, this coach or marketing coach over here said, sell the business. We don't know what to do now. And he said to us, well, what are you good at? And I thought for a minute and I said, I'm pretty good at sales. Hmm. He says to me, guess what? All these online entrepreneurs, they kind of suck at sales. Yeah. You should go talk to them. And that led us down this path of, 
leaving what we were doing with the other software company and moving into a place that was kind of our power zone or kind of a place where we flourished, kind of the place where I'd had years, tens, dozen, you know, two dozen, two decades of experience in this place. And, and so we just started interviewing people who we thought would be a great fit to solve the sales problem. And so we found like 40 or 50 of these companies. We spoke with all of them before we even did anything. By the end of that conversation series, five of those people had raised their hand saying, we're going to work together. I don't know how or what or when. And so that was the birth of our high ticket sales agency. And to this day, we uh, just love, 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 love helping people in sales. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So for those of you who are listening to this right now, I would invite you to take Sean's challenge, open up your calendar after you ask yourself, what's the most important thing to me right now? And then see if you have space allocated to it, because I'll share with you, we have date night every Friday night. That's our, you know, from five o'clock on, it's, it's we, we sit down, we have a cocktail together, we, we have an appetizer, we talk about our day, our week, and then, and then we just roll into this really nice uh, dinner at home. We keep it at home so that we can be safe and quiet and, and just us because we don't get a lot of just us time. It's very important for that most important thing to you to be a big rock in your calendar and it be the very first thing you schedule for your annual schedule, your quarterly schedule, your monthly schedule, your weekly schedule, and your daily schedule. It's a big rock. It has to be. Yeah. And, uh, and then I want you to also look in the mirror and ask yourself, could I kill my baby? Metaphorically speaking, not literally. Right. Yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't, mean, don't kill babies, really. But no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> however, however, seven and eight figure businesses, what it takes to build that for those of you who have never built that, it's an insane amount of dedication, focus, fortitude, stickability, passion, tenacity, to be able to just say, okay, and then walk away from it. Sell it, of course, make a healthy little profit. How many of you can really do that? Because that requires a whole nother level of mindset trust in self, trust in others, sensory acuity, belief systems, value level systems. So I want to touch on something that I don't know if they, they picked up or not. Uh, we're a lot alike in this area too. You have multiple coaches mm -hmm. because I heard you say, oh, my coach in this area. Oh, my coach in this area. You know, I have a coach for every area of life and every area of business and you know because I live by a rule of thumb that a mentor of mine told me early on in my per, in, in my professional career and that was Jim Rohn uh, I was at a VIP event well I had a VIP ticket at one of his events and I was sitting in the front row and he, he had us do an exercise to where we had to write down what we were making that year then figure out what 30 percent of it was and then he invited us to invest that number into ourselves and make sure that we invest 30% back into ourselves every year. So I've done that over and over and over again. And, you know, now I have a couple seven figure businesses and several six figure businesses. And in a COVID time period where you have to stay at home, investing 30% of that kind of number 
is a little harder because you can't absorb it with travel expenses and stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and I have uh, probably for almost a decade, give or take, I have had uh, at a minimum five coaches, at a minimum. Right now I have eight. And uh, it's phenomenal because it, it holds me really accountable. Yeah, I, 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 first of all, the fact that Jim Rome is joining your coaches just blows me, that floors me. I think that's the most amazing thing ever. Because <laughs> um, that dude is a legend, right? As we all know, yeah. Um, yeah. which makes you on a legendary path, which is epic. Um, and so, yes, if you're not listening to Stacy, listen to Stacy more. That's the <laughs> first advice that I would give anyone listening to this. Um, but yes, I think what you said is, is, is really relevant to specialty coaches. Because most people say, oh, I need to go get a, <laughs> I'll use the word therapist because that's, you know, like, let's move out of coaching for a second. Let's go into therapy. So like, mm -hmm. oh, I need a therapist. Okay, cool. What do you need a therapist for? 99% of the people don't have an answer for that. Yeah. Now, if we come back into the coaching space, people are trying to build a business, for example. They're like, hey, oh, I need a coach to help me build a business. Okay, what part of your business? There's really five functions of a business. What are they? Lead gen, lead nurture, conversion is probably one of the most important ones. And you have fulfillment. You've got to deliver, right? And then you have retention and resell. If we can agree those are the five functions of any business, then we know like, hey, what if we got a coach for all five? Like you said, you have five coaches. I don't have five. I have three, right? Mm -hmm. I can't. My brain would explode if I had more than three um, <laughs> because I need to expand my capacity a little bit more. And I'm not at your level yet, but working there. Um, and so, so I agree with you. I think uh, finding a person that has a particular skill set that has achieved the thing that you're looking and trying and wanting to achieve um, in the specific area. And so for me, when I, when I looked at marketing, I thought, in my opinion, who's the best marketer on the planet? Well, that person is Russell Brunson. Mm -hmm. So I went through everything that he'd ever done, invested as much, you know, I've invested more than a quarter million dollars with the guy um, over my career for him to teach me marketing at a level that not many people know. And so, um, and then I had a business systems coach, his name is Alex Sharfman. And, and so I went through one of his biggest programs that he had to learn how to set up the infrastructure on the back end of a business with the delivery client fulfillment stuff. And, and then I, since I'd had so many different sales coaches over the year, like that, that piece kind of helped me with the lead gen, right. to so the prospecting part, the lead nurture, and then the conversion, like that, those three areas for me, I just inherently had coach seminars and books that I read all the way through my whole career um, that just mm -hmm. allow me to get ahead, right? Yeah. And they say the average CEO reads something like 50, 60 books a year. Um, yeah. Man, if I'm that not doing that, like, what am I doing, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, the average is about one a week. I try to read one a week and listen to one a week. So All right, let I'm me ask. Okay, I got to know, like, when you read a book, okay, so you have a book, like, when you're reading a book, do you read from start to finish, left to right, the whole way through the whole book in a week? Or do you kind of, how do you do it? So yes, I, I read, uh, I prefer old school hard books, right? Sure. I do prefer those. However, because I travel so much, I do use my iPad and a Kindle. I do go from cover to cover, front to back. And uh, if I get to a section that I'm finding myself tracking off, I will skim it. I won't read it word for word. If I get into a section, however, in my Kindle, I will highlight it and, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Hmm. Uh, and then if I get into a section that really interests me, I will read it word for word. Now, when I get to the end of the cover, anything I've highlighted in my Kindle, 
I go back to because there's a reason why I ignored it. There's a reason why I was tracking off my unconscious mind or my conscious mind, whichever, didn't want to learn whatever it was, was there. And, and I wasn't allowing myself the space to focus. So I hold myself accountable to go back and read word for word what I highlighted. And every time, every time there's something there that slaps me. I just know that if I force myself to do it, then I, 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 I won't. I will continue to track off. I'll continue to space out. And if I stop reading, then I will also avoid going back to that book. Your comprehension level must be through the roof when you do that practice. But my question is, is like, did you study speed reading or how did you get to the place where you mm -hmm. can actually consume a, a book a week? That's crazy. Uh, so, so I, um, I allow myself, well, for one, I, I belong to the 5 a.m. club before it was fashionable. <laughs> I'm going to lovingly say that <laughs> being being prior being prior army having having military grained into me you know the military was only ever mandated to give us four hours sleep in a 24-hour period and it never had to be consecutive so I I really need be about six hours sleep you know, yeah. between six and seven, it really depends on what my schedule is. So I have, I have a, a morning, I used to call it a morning routine. However, a friend of mine corrected me and said, routines are boring. Let's, let's allow it to be a morning ritual. So, so I have a morning ritual to where when I wake up, I meditate and, you know, I, I, I acknowledge all, all my parts. I, I stretch, you know, and, and then I will uh, sit down and I'll read. And it, and it's typically about a half hour. Sometimes I'll do about 45 minutes. It depends on how long my meditation takes and how, and how long my stretching takes. And uh, just by doing that on a daily basis, and then before I go to bed, I read another half hour ish to awesome. 45 minutes, depending. So I get about an hour to 90 minutes in a day in reading. That's, and then that's, listening. That's outstanding. How often do you take a concept from something you read in the day and then apply it into your business? Oh, it's it's a rule for me. It, it is a rule for for one. All I read is personal and professional development. That's all I read. You know, I used to I used to like the the, the Patricia Cornwells and stuff like that, and I still do enjoy them. However, for me, I love growing. I love evolving, and and my rule of thumb is. How can I apply one thing I learned today? That's my rule of thumb. Because I believe in the learn, do, teach model. The more you learn, the more you can do. The more you do, the more you can show people. The more you show people, the more you learn it. And it's just this evolutionary cycle. That's so fascinating because learn, do, teach. I think of mind work, skill work, network. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very similar. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, just so mind blown right now. I do, I do want to go back and touch something though. Okay. Sure. I don't have, I don't have eight coaches all in my business. I look for, I look for uh, work-life harmony. See, I don't believe in work-life balance because your, your unconscious mind, uh, if something isn't one, if, if something isn't 50-50, it, it, it looks at it as an imbalance. So right. if you were like 51% work and 49% 
personal, your unconscious mind would view that as an imbalance and it wouldn't be satisfied. Mm. So, so for me, I look for work-life harmony. So I have, I have a coach. Um, so I have a, I have a personal trainer. I have a, a, a life coach. I have a nutritionist coach. I have a spiritual coach. I have uh, a business coach. Let's see. That's one, two, three, four, four right? Yep. Yep. So I have, um, I have my mindset coach. That's five. I've got my NLP coach, my business coach. And uh, just recently, and, and our listeners know this, um, I hired Jay Abraham's uh the latter part of 2020, I figured if he can coach Tony Robbins, then I should have him as a coach too. <laughs> so I, I took the leap and I hired him and uh, he's, he's really stretched me, I think, further than any coach I've ever had. Really? It's been pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been wow. pretty awesome. Wow, wow, wow. So yes. I'm a big fan of his, Mr. X book. I don't know if you ever read that one, but there's a, I have it somewhere. I have not, but I'm writing it down. I don't even know. <laughs> they don't even they don't even publish this one, right? Like this one's not oh, even published. You'll have to ask him. <laughs> He'll be like, "Yo, how do I get that book?" But yeah, um, nice. Yeah, so that's a great nice. book. Yeah. So, so I, I I really want to talk with you about what you're doing now because what you're doing now is so immensely revolutionary it's so needed uh these online entrepreneurs uh you know they're they're spraying and praying they're showing up and throwing up and and the the results are negligent and unfortunately unfortunately they have convinced themselves that they're working and the reality is they've just joined the uh, online version of the entrepreneurial witness protection program and and they're they're just they're they're blowing themselves up in the wrong way you can yeah. blow yourself up in business in a good way or you can blow yourself up in reputation in a bad way so what it is you do i think is i know is beyond relevant and i really want them to get an understanding of who you are and and what you're doing now yeah, I think the easy way to, to look at it, I could riff with you on sales and every other topic all day long because you're just amazing to talk to and fun. Thank you again for the opportunity. I would say the best way to answer this is to simply look at what tools are available in the marketplace. Like we were looking at a tool um, because we understand that, um, you know, experts are proven like you sell, yourself, like it takes building a relationship before somebody will have the no like and trust factor where you can bring the action threshold down and they'll make a decision to invest with you. So if, if that's fact and we can agree on that, then let's say there's seven to 12 touch points that are necessary. You know, experts say seven to 12 touch points before you can mm -hmm. actually do anything with anyone. Here's a statistic that most people don't know. 80% of deals are closed after the 12th touch. Yeah. Let me say that again. 80% of deals are closed after the 12th touch. So I challenge you Sean, to go, hold on. When, when do salespeople give up touching? <laughs> Typically between the third and the fifth. Yeah. On average. So now go back and emphasize what you just said again. 80% of the deals. Are closed after the 12th touch. So wow. look back and you can dissect your own sales abilities if you just look back and say, how much nurture was I doing? Most people forget this whole nurture thing. I love Russell Brunson for so many different reasons. One of the reasons that 
um, I love him a lot is because he created a tool, his software tool that allowed people to kind of jump over the lead nurture step and go faster. So you can, with his software, build yourself a seven figure organization. Unfortunately, a lot of people that do that don't have the infrastructure to support it. And that's where they kind of stumble and fall down. However, what's interesting is if you look at all these other tools that are out there, this is the question that we had. How come all these great, amazing CRMs that are out there, we all know the names of all of them, never tackled social messaging. Yet, the majority of every business that's online does business through social messaging. So we're like, wait a minute, nobody's even took a stab at this, or at least we didn't think so. So we went out and we started buying all these different software programs to understand how people were tackling this problem of covering social messaging, making it manageable and easy to like work and hear how 12 touch point kind of a thing. And so we couldn't find a good solution. And so we spent all our time and money building out a really amazing software product. See, we got to this place when I started our high ticket agency with my business partner, we went in there because these entrepreneurs were saying, Hey, I don't want to sell anymore, Sean. I want a sales team. Okay. I've done lots of sales teams. Let's go do that. So we showed them how to hire on board and train sales teams. We solved that problem for them. Hey, you got a sales team. You got the sales ecosystem. You got all the infrastructure. Here's all the SOPs. Here's everything you need to manage and run your sales team. But then we looked at the revenue and it wasn't there. And we're like, shoot. And then what happened is our clients came back to us and they're like, they're angry at us because the revenue numbers haven't grown. And we said back to them like, well, you just want a sales team. You never told us you wanted to increase the revenue, right? However, we were always keeping an eye on that because it's always revenue, always relevant. And so as we recognize this, the problem that we discovered in doing this with multiple dozens of high ticket clients was this invisible pressure they had on their shoulders of how on earth, now that I have a sales team that Chris and Sean just built, how on earth do I fill those people's calendars with the right qualified opportunity day in, day out, week in, week out? And then when we recognized that was the actual problem we needed to solve for clients, we we're like, oh, well, we've done this a couple of times the eight figures. Let's put our little system in place. And the system was being run off Google Docs and Google Sheets when we first started. <laughs> okay. So yeah. it's proving to everybody that you don't need some fancy technology to crush it. And so we started using Google and Doc and we built this, well, we've had this prospecting system for years. So it was the one I learned 20 years ago. And we put it in each of these businesses and the results were astounding. So example, went into the gym coaching space. There's a girl doing about 30 grand a month, which is a really healthy, you know, six figure business kind of thing. And, um, or, or getting to the six figure business kind of thing. And we put our system in there and she went from in two months, she went from 30,000 a month to 90,000 a month in revenues. We're like, Whoa, that worked. And then we're like, Hey, let's try it in the video marketing space, 40 grand a month. Now she's doing 250,000 a month. And then we tried it in a bigger business. It was real estate coaching. So we brought on a company that had eight sales professionals. They're doing about 400,000 four months later after we installed our systems and everything, they're now doing about 750,000 a month consistently. They just had $2 million months. And we're like, okay, this is proof to the world that these systems are bulletproof. And so from there, we were like, the bigger problem that we were facing at that time was a model problem because we were doing done for you. We were installing it in businesses and we didn't know how to serve the scale at large. Enter new coach, right? Mm -hmm. Because we mm -hmm. needed to figure out how do we sell one to few done with you or one to many, right? 
And so we went down this path of, we hired a mastermind coach that taught us how to build masterminds because we've been hearing like, you know, you listen to Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and, and Russell are doing the, you know, the KBB program and they're running masterminds. And I'm hearing from all my other close friends that are saying mastermind model, mastermind model. So we hired a mastermind coach, we built a mastermind. And then we decided we were going to do this after we had the infrastructure, we had nobody in it yet. We said, let's prove it to the world. No list, no group, just our system cold market. We went to the cold market and we put it in there and we wrote a hundred thousand dollars in revenue in seven weeks with it. And we said, boom, that's the start to our community. That's the start to our movement and our tribe. And now we're going to continue to show other people in a group setting, how to install this little system on the front end of their business that will predictably and consistently create the right opportunity for people to get new clients, new partners into their businesses so they can make impact. And then we said, we need to turn it up. So we created a software that actually does the same thing. And so now we have a software tool with just a massive abundance of training around it on how to actually use it to grow any business as fast as possible. Pretty powerful. That's phenomenal. Look, you guys have to understand success leaves clues. Reality is when you learn how to create success once, that becomes duplicatable throughout everything in your life. And Sean hasn't just tripped over success. He wasn't one of these accidental success stories. And I would venture to guess so much so that I'm just going to ask the question without even finding out. How has failure helped you up-level your success? Because I know, I know for me, I know for me that Anytime I fell hard, I, when I got back up, I excelled and flew higher. Now, that doesn't mean that I go out of my way to see how hard I can fall, unless maybe there have been times that I probably did. Sure. <laughs> However, I know that with every failure, there has been immense amount of lessons. I've also realized a trend lately, and I know I'm layering a question on you. I've also noticed a trend lately that, that, that the entrepreneurs today, the business owners today are embracing failure as if it's a medal of honor and not a lesson book for success. So how has failure helped you succeed even more? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, tr I don't think failure is a great word. I think it's a, a poor choice in the English language to call it a failure. Agreed. I would call it an experience, mm -hmm. right? I call because it feedback. Yeah, your feedback experience is way, those are two much better words than saying failure. Mm -hmm. But I would say failure is the thing that allows your capacity to grow. And it allows your capacity to grow because A, you can handle it. Everything's going to be okay, right? And if we understand and remember that, then this is just an experience that's happening to us. And it's going to lead us to a path that allows us to crush even harder in the future. And if we look past that experience of like, what's the thing that I did that caused that experience to happen? Okay, now I have a lesson in my mind to never go do that again, or do more of it if it's working on the other side of the coin. And so now my capacity for creating bigger success and making bigger impact with other people has grown to the point where I've taken something that I learned from one of those failure experiences. And I said, Hey, if I'm either coaching or I'm doing it for myself, I'm like, this is the path I walk. This is the outcome. It looks like you're walking the same path. You may want to be careful and not go down that way. Um, here's an alternative solution that we 
figured out after trial and error um, that you might want to try. And then people say, oh, well, that's really you know, relevant. And it comes back to being coachable, it comes back to finding that coach that's had the life experience, that's had those failures, if you want to call it that, that have gotten to the place where, you know, I was trying to get to, you're trying to get to, we're all trying to go to the next level. And mm -hmm. so finding the people that have gone through an immense amount of failure or experience, I feel is way more valuable than saying, you know, like these 21 year old life coaches who haven't even experienced life yet. Like that doesn't make sense. Um, and no <laughs> offense, but I will throw rocks at them because I just don't right. feel like they've had the experiences necessary to guide the right people. Maybe if they're younger than them. Yeah. But, um, and so, so the answer to your question directly is yes, I am so grateful for every downturn in my career that's happened to me, even though it sucked and it hurt and it was hard, it was frustrating at the time. Um, you know, uh, running a challenge is an example. Um, recently, uh, I had a client of ours come to us and just say, hey, our challenge is bombing. Can you help? And I said, well, you know what? We ran a challenge. We spent tens of thousands of dollars and it bombed too. So first of all, I can relate to you. I know exactly how you feel. I'm in that place. Secondly, what do we do to come out of it? Here's the experience. Here's the, the capacity growth. Here's the situation or the navigation that you can use in your world to move forward. And that's that right there is the value of coaching. That right there is the one thing that will allow anybody that listens to you or me or anybody that's, you know, has had those experiences to propel themselves, to jump over gaps in their process, in their system, in their, in their life experience and not have to stumble as hard. Um, which, which I think is great. So to answer your question, failure, I think is vital um, to success. You hear this term entrepreneurs are cycling all the time, right? Where yeah. it's like they get up and they crash and they get up and they crash. It helps build infrastructure that's robust. Um, one of the things I always talk about is like, you build the light, you want the lifestyle. Most people design a business. They don't design the lifestyle. I think what's more important is to design the lifestyle and then build the business that supports that. Amen. Yes. And when you build it that way, Okay, let's do that. Say, for example, I want to go fly fishing. It's one of my hobbies. Mm -hmm. So I want to go fly fishing for a week. So if I left my business for a week, I come back, look, there's going to be a bunch of failure all over the place. Experiences as we call it. Mm -hmm. Now I know, okay, for me to go take another week off, I have to systemize all these things that didn't work. And then <laughs> I take another yeah. week off and I see if those systems I built worked. Mm -hmm. And if they did, great. Guess what? Now I'm going to go take two weeks off and see if I can do it again. Mm -hmm. And that is how you create the lifestyle and have the business to support it. I love it. I love it. So in your humble opinion, why do you think most don't embrace the lessons from their experiences? Why do you think they just stay stuck in their story and, and accept the mediocrity, the, the below average? Ego. Hmm. I would say, I mean, I think like everybody says, you know, they see somebody do it and they say, I could do it too. And then they get into it and they fail, 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 fail but they don't seek the assistance or the guidance or the education necessary to grow through it. And so I feel like people get stuck in, in their own way is what I would say the answer to that is. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And right. the, sooner, the sooner we embrace what it is we don't know, the sooner we get out of our way. It's, it's those blind spots that, that, that hurt. And, you know, like you, when I got out of the military, uh, my my exiting sergeant had had asked me when when he was filling out paperwork. He goes, so what are you going to do when you get out, soldier? And I said, I really don't know. I don't have any transferable skill sets. 
And he looked at me and he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, I was airborne. I was a communications expert specialist, which means I, in, I, I intercepted communications. And I was really good with a weapon and I have no desire to be a police officer. <laughs> so what am I gonna do? I don't know. And he said, well, if I can give you any piece of advice, hire a coach. From, from, from my exiting sergeant, he said, hire an executive coach, hire a career coach, hire someone. And it, it really became relevant to me because I was, I was in softball and basketball my whole life. My whole life, I had had coaches. So that just made sense. And from that point forward, I did. I hired a career coach. It was funny, I was making $6 an hour when I got out of the army. I was driving a forklift, going to school full time. And my, my career coach uh, moved me through that company from making $6 an hour to six figures within 12 months. Wow. Yeah, he paid for himself really quickly. He also, he also uh, invited me to, to insert myself into uh, seminars. At that time, they were seminars. It was when personal and professional development wasn't sexy yet. You know, it was, it was in the early 90s. So it was mm -hmm. kind of like a new thing. And, and I say no, it wasn't that new. But, you know, because, because uh, corporate America knew them as Fred Pryor and American Management Association, they were all just really seminars and workshops. And it's just when when the, the godfathers of personal and professional development really rolled it out for us, you know, the, the Bob Proctors, the Brian Tracy's, the Jim Rohn's, that's kind of when personal and professional development became sexy. And I inserted myself into the trifecta of personal development and professional development. Uh, at that time, it was a seminar where the three of them were on stage. And I bought that VIP ticket because my coach told me, if you're gonna go, you really go. You go where the money is. So anytime you ever invest in yourself, make sure you insert yourself into places where people have more money than you. Buy a VIP ticket. And at that time, the VIP ticket for that event was $1,500. I made $6 an hour. <laughs> so that was a stretch for me. That was like, that was, that was a month and a half's worth of income, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I did it. And and, and I have to tell you, from that point forward, it, it removed, I can't afford that from my mind very quickly because I learned how to become resourceful. Instead of I can't afford that, the question I started asking myself is how can I afford it? Yes. And that has served me my entire life because now I don't look at a problem as a problem. I look at it as an obstacle. Mm-hmm. And how do you overcome that obstacle? The only way to do it is to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so back on, back on uh, what it is you do now. Okay. Because, because I'm absolutely fascinated by it. You know, you've taken, you've taken the, the spraying and praying of, of prospecting and the, uh, I'm, I'm going to lovingly say the, uh, the bait and switch evasive uh, I want to be your friend messaging you know there's there's so much of that messaging out there where people 
where people reach out to people today uh, with, with an ulterior motive, but they hide behind it. And this entire system that, that you have created removes all of that. It makes, it makes the engagement really engagement. And, I, and I'm fascinated by it. After they move through those touch points, mm -hmm. then what happens? Yeah, so if you can imagine what the software does is it just manages the social messaging aspect, right? So if mm -hmm. we had, say, for example, I want to go sell to coaches, if you're selling to coaches, for example, um, then there's going to be some sort of a filtering criteria necessary um, that, that you're only going to sell to a certain type of coach or personality or something. Right. Um, and so the system works in a way where you have a filter on the front end and it only lets through the right type of people you want to sell to. And then it puts them into kind of a conveyor style system. And mm -hmm. then it has a sequence of messaging. That's a conversation that you would have with anybody, your best friend. And in, in, in most people verbally diarrhea at the mouth when they go into the sales game, if they don't know what they're doing versus, yeah. Hey, one question, one answer, very simple, two ears, one mouth, let use them in proportion. It's kind of that yeah. idea. So if we had a general conversation, we recorded it and then we transcribed it. It's like, what's the first thing that you would ask somebody that goes into that first messaging sequence, wait for answer, next one, next one, next one. And so what the software does is it allows you to customize any conversation you want for any part of your business, whether you're growing your business on the front end, whether you're running challenges and people don't buy, but you want to nurture those people that don't buy on the back end, or maybe there, there's a million use cases of how the software would work because it's flexible on the conversation that you create. But the idea is, is to have a filter criteria on the front end and you have a conversation that drives them in a direction they want to go, all designed around the 12 to 25 touch points. And so, for example, we call them pipelines. So to be like, hey, I'm going to reach out into the cold market people I don't know that I'm selling. If I'm selling to coaches, I got to make sure that they've been a coach for X amount of time. They've made X amount of dollars. They have whatever on their social profiles I can identify as a filter. And then I'll bring them in and I'll start having a conversation. I'll invite them, for example, to come join my group. This is what my movement's all about. You want to be part of the tribe? Come check it out. People, some people raise their hand. Some people don't. That's fine. So the people that raise their hand and we say, great, here's the link, jump in. And then the next touch point is we look at their profile, make sure they're doing something awesome. We awesome. And we say, Hey, you're doing something awesome, right? It's just a cool conversation to have with a regular person. And it goes on and on. And then it sends an invite to jump on my calendar. And then I get on the calendar and I have a conversation. The conversation revolves around one thing. That one thing is, do they have the problem that I know I solve? If I can identify the problem, that I solve in a conversation I'm having with somebody, then I can go move forward to close the deal if I want to. Yeah, can't sell and, something if you can't find an, yeah. if you can't find a need or fill it. Yeah. And if, if I can't find a need to fill it, then the next thing I do is I say, here's a referral. I love it. I love it. So welcome to the signature question of the show. So the signature question of the show, Sean, is what does selling without selling mean to you? Impact. Um, selling without selling means impact, right? So it's like, hey, how can I, how can I truly impact your world? How can I make things better for you? Where are you trying to go? Where are you trying to get to? So selling without selling is really serving. Selling without selling is um, empowering other people to have the tool to make the impact that they're really trying to make to achieve the thing that they're going after. That's what I'd say. I love it. I love it. So welcome to the random round. See, I believe that success leaves clues. Sure. And I love to ask our expert guests 
questions so that our listeners can say, oh, I really like that, extract that, and then apply to self. So I have two, maybe three questions to ask you. So uh, question number one is, what does your morning ritual look like? Mm -hmm. I love that you asked that. I'm actually uh, tweaking it around. I follow Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning fairly closely. So I'll wake yeah. up like you. I have my moment of, I do a body check. Uh, the next thing I do is I think about what was the best part of my day from the day before. Um, and then I think about maybe one or two big accomplished things that I can, big actions I can take today to, to feel good about myself. Usually never more than five. Um, I'll say, hey, if I can accomplish this, this, and this, then I'm good. Then I'll get up. Um, I'll go and I work out. I skip rope. Um, so I'll skip rope for 20, 30 minutes. And um, then I'll take a shower, come down, make my green juice for me and my wife. It's on my calendar um, to get, make sure that we're, you know, fuel the body. Uh, and then from there, sometimes we'll go for a walk. Um, other times I'll open a book and read um, or I'll I digest some sort of a um, feel good audio. Sometimes the motivation, sometimes something I'm learning. And then from there, I, I start our day. Um, I'll start my day in, in the business and I'll run through the rest of the day. And then um, I'll usually go for a secondary walk. I like to have a little bit of alone time too. So um, it's just good to be able to, to, to have, let your thoughts like just come to you, right? So mm -hmm. that's good. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So my next question for you is, how do you prefer to consume personal and professional development? Do you like to read books, listen to books? Do you like to go to events? Do you like personal at home at your own pace study? What do you like? Um, I like all of it for mm -hmm. different reasons. Um, I like having a one-on-one -on -one coach because they'll get the fastest results for you every time. Mm -hmm. um, usually the, the most biggest investment. Um, secondly, I do, I really enjoy um, seminars and conventions simply for the networking aspect of it. Not so much what I'm learning from that, but rather connecting with other people. Um, mm -hmm. I love connecting with people. So I like conventions and, and uh, those types of things to, to learn about other people, what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve. Um, and then at the home study thing where I'm doing like learning from a YouTube or reading a book, um, I like those a lot because I can, I can journal about how I will use that in my business. Um, and so I do keep a journal of those types of things as well. So um, it just, it, it depends on the type of learning that I want to do, right? So if I want to meet people, convention's a better thing. If I need to move forward and fast in my business, I'm going to go to my coach. Um, if I'm just doing something that I want to deploy in my business, then I'm going to use like the home education side. Love it. I too love a diversified approach. As a matter of fact, I have, I, I put together a strategy for everything in my life. And look, mm -hmm. I'm far from rigid. I just, I believe if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So I have a personal and professional development strategy. And it's a little bit of reading, a little bit of audio, a little bit of home study, a, a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, some group coaching, mastermind. I like the potpourri because it removes me as the, as, as, as the only perspective in the equation. However, it gives me the perspective of the equation. So Sean, I'm, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that our listeners are gonna want to find you, reach out to you, connect with you. How can they find you, reach out to you and connect with you? Yeah, the, the fastest way is to jump onto Facebook and go join our free Facebook group. Um, just go on Facebook and look up Sales Ascenders Inner Circle. You'll see a picture of me with a beard, a bigger beard than I have now, and my business partner. 
Um, so Sales Ascenders Inner Circle Facebook group, by far the best way to connect with us. Um, and then just hit me up in a personal message as well. That's another easy way to do it too. That's fantastic. Thank you. So we'll make sure that's in the show notes. Sure. And really, really appreciate you coming on the show. I know what your schedule's like, and I have loved this conversation. I look forward to many, many more. Your success is important to me, and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this. Choice is a powerful thing, and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed,